on this episode of The Jason Wright Show. From the last time we had coffee to now, dude, what the hell? All right, folks, imagine this. You wake up one day, and all of your deepest, darkest secrets are revealed. The true, real you, the one that no one ever sees, the one that no one even knows exists. The demons that you fight each and every day, they are out on full display. And as a result, you lose everything. You lose your job. You lose your reputation. You lose a lot of dignity. And you have to climb and climb and climb out of a hole just to get back a little bit above water. Well, that's exactly what happened to Dr. Dan Crawford. Now, look, Dan will be the first to tell you this was all self-inflicted. He's not asking for sympathy. But I think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts to come on and bear his soul, hoping to take his tragedy, his self-inflicted tragedy, and turn it into something good. So this is one of the most meaningful and, I don't know, just most transparent and gutsy interviews that I've done on the Jason Wright Show. And here's my hope. I hope that if you listen to this conversation and you're struggling with something, no matter how bad it is, no matter what it is, let this be a an inspiration to come clean, bring it to the light. You know, darkness cannot hide from the light. And once it is exposed, it loses its power. And so today you're going to hear a chapter of the story of Dr. Dan Crawford. This The story is yet to be written, and he'll be the first to tell you that. But right now, I'm so glad that the chapter that we're going to talk about today is where it is. It's one of redemption and hope and healing, and I hope you really enjoy this show. Thanks. Well, actually... This is funny. I was about to say welcome back to the Jason Rice Show. It's your first time on the show, but it's the second time we've had coffee, and a lot has happened between that last coffee and this one, my man. Yeah, I think you can say there's been a few changes in life for me. <laughs> uh, maybe not so much uh, for you, uh, in a good way for you as your podcast has grown, but definitely some uh, life changes for me. Well, you know, first of all, before we even get started, and as the uh, – I don't know how I will – title this podcast or anything like that but for the listener that just might have just tuned in because it's tuesday and you listen to the jason wright show uh this this one's going to be pretty pretty deep pretty transparent dude and uh and i and first of all and so knowing that's the case man i want to say thank you for having the guts and the courage and the desire to basically help others for coming on so i'm just so instead of just me asking like because I don't ever want a question to come across as, you know, an I got you or anything like that. And I don't want to expose or, or say talk about anything because this is we're about to talk about some pretty sensitive stuff, very personal stuff for you. But so I'm just going to start out like this. From the last time we had coffee to now, dude, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that's the perfect way to start this off, uh, like what the hell, right? Um Go what in the world, man? So, uh, if, if it's okay with you, I'll kind of just uh, start and roll from there. Go for and, it, and uh, you know, Jason, you know me well enough to know because we have some mutual friends, and and you know me. If I get wordy or you need to jump in or say, "Hey, let's move along," we our listeners don't have three hours here. I, I totally get it. So, no, man, that's um, hey, that's they, the best part about a podcast, dude. We got all the time we want, and I want your story to be heard. So you just you go for it, my man. Okay, so. Um, when you and I first time, I was right in the, the middle of this incredible transition as a high school principal here in Tyler, Texas. It was Robert E. Lee High School, and we were building a $110 million facility, um, a, a brand new school, uh, over 500,000 square feet under one roof. I mean, it was an incredible, incredible experience that I had, and I was there for a total of, of five years. But when you met me, I was right uh, at about, I think, three and a half, four year mark of of building that school and what transpired after that i think shortly after you and i met 
was the pandemic. And in the 2021 school year, you had, I call it the, it was basically the trifecta from hell. Um, we were opening a brand new building. We were doing it during the COVID process, the, the, the COVID situation that was. Um, and we were also in the middle of a name change, which that was a very temp- uh, sensitive topic uh, worldwide, not even just, you know, uh, in America or Tyler, it was just sensitive. At the time, if uh, memory serves, we were the largest high school, still named Robert E. Lee High School, or the largest school of the 116, 117 in America, still named Robert E. Lee. And we were under that the, the process of making that change. Well, that 2021 20, school year, I, I had gotten married about six months before, and just the stresses of life started to catch up with me. And the demons of the past resurfaced, if you will. Um, looking from the outside in, and I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jason, but I think when you and I met uh, at that coffee shop and talked, you probably thought, this guy's got it together. He has a doctorate. He's been a professor at three different universities, most recently Dallas Baptist University and UT Tyler, uh, a principal of a large 6A high school with 2,500 kids, 275 staff members. He's got it going on. I mean, he's, he's got this figured out. Um, but in reality, uh, I was segmenting my life. In other words, um, a great book, Men Are Like Waffles and, and Women Are Like Spaghetti. Uh, and, and I was the definition of the professional and the personal waffle. In other words, I took my life professionally and I poured everything into it. A whole lot of time, effort. And then outside of school, I didn't want to think about it. Outside of being a professor, an adjunct professor, I didn't want to think about and make decisions. And I went from, hey, I, I work out and run and, and take care of myself every day of the week or five or six days a week to, ah, I think I can do it two or three days a week and I can drink on the other day. Then it went to, ah, if I get a good Wednesday workout and then the other days I drink, I'll be okay. Then it went to, why do I even need to work out? I'm clearly a physical specimen, which I wasn't, but that's how it happens in your head. Yep. And so as time went along, I let things unravel. Uh, alcohol became more and more of a consistent to the point where it pretty much uh, was my coping skill that I went to to deal with life. Yep. Not going on to my wife and talking to her, not, not dealing with it, not working out. It was when, when work was over, uh, Dr. C, that's what they called me because uh, Dr. Crocker was the superintendent and I was Dr. Crocker the principal. And I went by Dr. C to make it easy. And, uh, so when I got off work, I didn't want to be that guy. So um, through the year of 2021, especially six months, uh, the, the spring semester of 2021, things really started to unravel. And um, my drinking became worse. It just did um, because it was just, it was, it was a habit. And as time went on, uh, I could do it more and more and more. And so... Uh, June the 2nd, 2021 was the end of the school year. It should be a, a time of, you know, elation, right? A time of, man, we made it. We made, did the name change to Tyler Legacy High School. We built the school the first year of that school being open. Um, and we made it to the pandemic year. We were actually the largest school district in the state of Texas to open during the 21, 20, 2021 school year that stayed open consistently throughout the year. Well, there were stresses that came with that, obviously. Um, and when I talk about those things, Jason, I want to make it clear, I, I'm not making excuses. You know, it, it was, I own my own, my own mess and situation. That's just, I think, what helped contribute to that, right? And so, as I drove home that June 2nd, 2021, you know, you should be feeling good, excited. This is awesome. But in reality, that wasn't the case. I was uh, nervous. I was apprehensive. I, you know, had my anxiety was was there because that whole spring I hadn't, I, I wasn't sleeping good. I was drinking every night, not working out. My blood pressure was out of control. I had been taken to the hospital from the school and begging to take my by my wife at the time to the hospital another time that spring uh, because my blood pressure was just out of control and I actually thought I was having a stroke. And so, you know, my health was not in a good place. And that night, um, I got heavily intoxicated. My wife got heavily intoxicated. And it's one of those things where you just keep drinking and keep drinking. And it went from one to two to four. And when I say having to drink it, 
it wasn't your your typical a little bit with some some club soda. I was a vodka drinker, and uh, I poured the night away really. And, and by the end of the night, um, I was so intoxicated when I went over to make me another drink real late at night. Um, I fell, and when I fell, I I slipped actually slipped and fell, and I hit that. Uh, I'm sure you probably have granite or hard countertops in your kitchen. I had a we had a great island that was there. And uh, the back of my head came in contact with it and left a three, three and a half, half inch gash right down the back of my head. And it, it about knocked me, it, it did pretty much knock me out for a while. And, or at least knock me woozy, if you will. And being intoxicated didn't help. Um, being the selfish person that I am, or I should say the selfish person that I was, when I talk about I am, I'm talking about the present at the time because I'm definitely different now. But uh, as any, person that does abuses alcohol abuses substances um sometimes that's just not enough right maybe on a special occasion going to the super bowl in in tampa bay earlier that spring going to see friends on vacation or us just going on vacation you dabble into other toxic substances different drugs just for the 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 feel of it and there was a little little bit of a as the paper called it here in title a white powdery substance which was cocaine that uh, I actually had a little bit that, that I'd saved up left and I like to smoke little mini cigars and I'd put it on the counter with my mini cigars, my lighter and that little baggie. And uh, luckily when I fell uh, over time, my wife at the time did hear me call for her. She was out back talking to her mom, just relaxing at the end of the school year. Um, she'd been having drinks too and finally came into this scene um, that quite frankly is was pretty horrific. Yeah. And it, it was it was terrifying, and I'll, I'll tell a little bit more about that in a little while. She obviously calls you know calls nine one one for help, and uh, we get the medics there, the officers got there, and what's on the counter? But in clear sight, that white powdery substance. And uh, they take me to the hospital. I get staples put in my head, and I remember coming home in the morning of June the third, about four in the morning. And just just weeping and sobbing. I'm pretty sure I was still under the influence, but at that time, I I realized that really in one night, my whole night, my whole life, what I dedicated to for 24 years was going to come crashing down. And just four hours, just 12 hours from that, it was 4 a.m. At 4 p.m., my son was going to be graduating from high school in uh, Texas Rangers ballpark, the new ballpark in Arlington. And here I am sitting here with staples in my head on the back porch, realizing what actually I had done. Wow. And um, you want to talk about sobering. Yeah. You want to talk about a, a reflective time that I'm just, what what have I, I done to myself? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I won't go through every single bit of detail, but in the coming months, obviously that happened, you know, in June there. The next day, on, on June uh, the 4th, uh, before noon, you know, I talked to the superintendent and the department head of, of the educational leadership department at UT Tyler. I voluntarily resigned. I, I said, you're not going to have to ask me to resign. I'm not going to try to drag this out or anything. It's just best for the community, the students, the staff, the parents. Um, I, I definitely have some issues I've got to work through, and, that, and that's the right thing to do. A lot of people thought I should have stayed, should have tried to keep things going, maybe be reassigned to central office, get help and come back. But I knew that that was not the right thing to drag this out. So I, I did. I resigned voluntarily about 36 hours after the incident. And uh, that was the beginning of my life. Uh, you know, today, um, here we are uh, on, uh, I guess it's uh, July the 12th. And, and since that day, June the 4th, I've been sober since then. From I, Any type of intoxicating substance that you can think of, um, does not been one enter my body. And I made a choice to, to start right there changing my life because I knew if I did it, um, I turned 46 that month, last summer, I turned 47 here this past June, but I knew I, I won't make 50 if I don't make some changes. There's no way. And so in the subsequent month, uh, in July, uh, I was arrested. In August, I was indicted. And in September, I went before the judge in the court and uh, got my sentencing. I, uh, I pled guilty. I claimed it. It was mine. I'm the only one that had it. I'm the only one. I, I'm the only one that knew it was there. 
So I had back to back to back to back. And in that time period, I also enrolled in the UT Health um, Intensive Outpatient Program, IOP, which was a great experience. The lady, the five ladies that I encountered there from the nurse practitioner, the counselors and the program director, they were absolutely instrumental in getting through this. So at the same time, I have. Hey, folks, I really hope you're enjoying this episode of the Jason Wright Show. I want to tell you real quick about my new book, The Stone Chiseler. This is a parable about a young boy who has to determine whether or not he is going to live out his life doomed as a stone chiseler forever or is he going to become a sculptor, sculpting the man that he is inside? This book is inspired by Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And as you listen to this episode of The Jason Wright Show with Dr. Dan Crawford and what he has gone through, I can't think of a more appropriate book at a time that this story is being told than The Stone Chiseler. Please check it out. It's available at Amazon.com, and the Audible version will be available within the next week or so, so be looking for it there if you'd rather get it on Audible. And so until then, continue enjoying the show. Thanks. We well, I'm not positioned, all right? I have given up that life. I'm in the middle of trying to get sober, all right? And, of course, um, you know, it's, I, I call Tyler the, the biggest small town in America. Yep. Uh, you know, we got 100, 140,000 people, grows to, what, 280, doubles in size. And, and during the day, people come in from the outskirts, yep. uh, surrounding communities. And, uh, you know, every, it seemed like every week there for a while, for sure biweekly, was uh, some article or update about my situation. And, you know, there was no hiding. There was no – it just was. So I, I was – had the media on one hand, I've resigned my job at the other hand, and I'm trying to get sober. It was like a three-headed monster that I was I was dealing with and trying to, to go through this process. Which, um, looking back now, it was good for me. At the time, not finding very, very difficult, right? right. And so, um, but, but I stayed the course. I, I stayed with it. Um, it during the time, I, my wife and I separated. It was uh, best for her to take care of her and her boys, and, and I stepped away. So really, I, I I went through a lot of this alone, um, but again, it was something that I just had to do, and and I was I made a commitment then that I not only am I getting better, but I'm staying here. I'm staying in Tyler. I'm gonna stay at least a year. I'm not gonna run away from it. I'm gonna deal with it. I'm gonna deal with it head on. And anybody I encounter, whether it's Walmart, Starbucks, to uh, just going <laughs> walking down the street, which happened several times, uh, or on a run. Um, I would own up to what I did. And so during that time, an incredible amount of clarity came to me. And I'm so very thankful for that. So um, anything to this point you can think of or or that you know of my story that you want to ask or or bring up, Jason? Man, there's so much to unpack there. First of all, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that story and being so transparent. You know, the, the... motto for the Jason Wright Show is to improve always and always. And none of us have it all figured out. And so that's one of the things that I wanted most for this episode uh, to talk to you because on the one hand I hate that you've gone through this. I, I, I do more than anything. But on the other hand, I'm like a kid in a candy store because kind of my the things that I love to deal with are understanding the human mind, neuroscience, you obviously have found other means to exercise a dopamine rush. So I, I love figuring all that stuff out. So now I just want to ask some questions. The, the thing I want to get to eventually is how you're dealing with it now. What does what does the day, day-to-day day look like? Okay, so I want to – because I think that's important. I want to hear, hear some strategies for what you're doing. You know, I actually teach a course on habit formation and habit breaking, and so – I want some confirmation. I, I want to hear from the, 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 you know, the real deal, the, the boots on the ground is, do I have this, some of it at least figured out. Gotcha. But okay. You, but so real, real, real quick though, Dan, real quick. Yeah. The, the real thing I want to know is this, have you gotten to the root of this? Because this is something that you said has research is a demon that has resurfaced. And generally what we know about alcohol addiction, anything that we are doing that is from an outside force internally, that is not good for us to, increase our dopamine rush is usually to distract us from something else. So have you gone back and found where that dragon is, stirred it up from its cave and figured out, okay, I may not slay you today, you bastard, 
but I know where you are. I know where you live, and I'm coming after you. What is that? Have you have you been able to get there? I have. And so with that, I want to share a, a little bit. That that was kind of the personal side of it. Now let's transition to the professional a little bit. Yep. And then those two together will kind of solidify how I'm coping with that. Okay. Um, that night, 100 $48,358. That's the amount of annual revenue and income gone. Yeah. Providing for my family. And, you know, as well as I do, everybody knew about it. I, I don't hold any resentment to anyone uh, about not hiring me or not looking at even any type of job. And so there's two people that came into my life because we need people in our lives that understand this. I love how you brought up the human condition because Yes, this was a substance I was dealing with, but honestly, it was a, I had a mental health episode that happened that night. And I don't look like a guy. People, so many people think it happens because of lower class, uh, race, ethnicity, um, you know, uh, age in life. They want to think it's categorized and it's not. And so I went back and looked because I had plenty of free time on my hand for about six weeks. And I had a instance every single month, Jason, that if I would have woken up and said, oh, yeah, that could have been really bad. Let's make some changes. I was able to identify something each of those months, 15 months before. And I didn't listen. And so it had to happen. But these two people, Amanda and Adam, were the catalyst to really getting me completely back on track because like you talked about i was dealing with it i was going through it i, I went to intensive outpatient treatment twice a week tuesday and thursday uh, two two and a half hours a day and and i was really bought into it but there was a sense of me of, of where do i go from here well amanda and i don't know if you know amanda Fulmer. she's really oh, yeah. down here in, in tyler and yeah, I know amanda. you know she calls me up and she says well dan well frankly you've been an ass okay I just want to start with that. And of course, I'm going, well, this is just a terrific way to start out. Thank you, Amanda. But she goes, you know, I remember a year and a half ago, you called me and it was my birthday. And I thought you were calling me to, to wish me a happy birthday. And we've been friends since you landed here in Tyler from the Metroplex. And you really called me because you needed help in the community with something. And you didn't even mention it. And every year before that, you always called me on my birthday, just like I do you, or we see each other, our families. And you didn't, and I knew there was a change happening in you. But she said, you know what? I'm gonna be the friend to you that you weren't to me. Because I understand you've gone through something pretty horrific. So I love you. My husband loves you. My daughter Carly, she loves you. We're, we're your biggest fans. Call me if you need me. You're gonna get better, stay the course. And I got off the, the phone, I remember just weeping. Because how humbling is that? Just every, and, and, and I'm talking, my life went from, I think you knew I was a big social media guy, right? Oh, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm a Twitter fest, social, my Facebook was maxed out at 5,000 friends and all of that. My emails, my text messages, and all that stopped after that day. I mean, it went to a complete standstill. And so many people, and I get it, there's not a lot of people, what do you say to a guy like me? Like, is he okay? Is he really falling? And where is it? Along with her being a friend, she mentioned my, my name to a guy named Adam who works at uh, Neighbors Industries, and um, he basically said, hey, they, they, they start talking about me at dinner, and, and he said, hey, have him call me. Hey, I, I want to talk to him. Yeah, I may be able to get him in line with a job. You know, he's pretty high up in the company, very high up in the company. Um, but he was like, yeah, I can have it. I, I just want to talk to him now. So she sends me his information and stuff, and I call him. I remember it was a Saturday afternoon. He calls and says, hey, this is, this is Adam. I said, hey, Adam, how are you? Good? And he kind of small talk a second. And uh, I said, okay, so she said, you might have an avenue. He goes, yeah, we'll get to that. He goes, but I want to tell you something, man. This does not have to be your legacy. One mistake does not make you who you are. Nope. And this is not going to be the end for you. And, he, and I'm like, okay. He goes, don't you hear me, man? This does not have to be your legacy. And this does not have to be the end for you. People make mistakes. Things happen but where you go from here is up to you and he keeps talking we kind of have small talk i remember getting off the phone suddenly i realized the phone call is about to end and yeah yes thank you adam thank you and hang up and 
I just sat there and thought, I have a friend that was good to me that I wasn't a friend to, introduces me to a guy that I thought I was talking about a job, but really he's talking about my legacy and that one mistake is not going to define who I am. In the coming months, I would go to, to work at Neighbors Industries and work for Adam, although he, there's three or four layers in between me and Adam Wright. And I went and took a job at seventeen fifty an hour, Jason, being a security guard. Wow. You want to talk about being a security guard, putting coveralls on? You want to name a, 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 a podcast? Blue suits to blue coveralls. That's what I did. <laughs> I, I went it. from blue suits, shirt and tie every day, to wearing coveralls. And, man, that changed everything. I felt like until that moment, every day I would kind of put this puzzle together but the puzzle was on an ocean. And as soon as I thought it was coming together, a wave, a storm, rain, whatever, would pull it all apart and I would start over the next day. I never could lock everything in. Mm -hmm. And now they were the two puzzle pieces that locked everything together. Now I, I could move forward in life, although not making what I was making. Man, I woke up every day thankful. I worked 12 hour shifts. I had a job. I was productive. I was a part of something. People said all the time, what, what do you do for neighbors? Well, I helped them be the premier jeweler of choice, not only in the U.S., but worldwide. What? So what do you do? Well, I'm a security guard, but I have a role in the yard in Thailand. That was always my mindset as a teacher, coach, assistant principal, principal. And I, I kind of tied that over into that. And so I, I now had a structure, a puzzle piece put together that my life could move forward. Oh, not where I wanted to be. Man, I looked at life completely different. I'll be honest, I was more thankful last fall going to work every day, probably than the last couple of years as a high school principal. I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. I, I wasn't I thankful. I wasn't learning. I wasn't growing. Jason, I was not a man's man. Okay. I was not. I was not a dude's dude. I didn't have my man card. All right. I didn't know how to use a zero turn mower. I didn't know how to use a forklift a man lift, a loader, and, and I learned all those things. And, and people say, but you're not using your doctrine. Yeah, but I'm learning something new. Absolutely. And there's something about that. So when you ask how I was dealing with it, I now had this structure on my dealing with my issues with the intensive outpatient treatment. And it went so well, they exited me after 90 days. That, that went incredibly well. And they said, you know, the first 30 days, we, we found you really lost. The second 30 days, you, you found your niche here, and we saw so much improvement. And then by the last 30 days, you were as much helping others in our program as you were getting help yourself. Right. And I think that's growth is now I can share my story and be able to do it. And that really picked up my momentum to share about mine because I'm not going to hide from it. And, and I have lost everything. I am a faith believer. Some are not. And I'm like, hell, if I'm if I'm going to use this for good, I, I'm going to start everything over. I'm going to get back close spiritually, become a, a father again that's more involved. Not that I ever wasn't a good father, but I was a lot more involved in their life. I was a better brother, son. Um, I was a better employee. I really was. I can bust the system. Anybody that knows me here is this is like, yeah, he loved to bust the system, right? But and sometimes you got to do that, but I just kind of did my own thing. And so I had this structure in my personal life where I began an exercise routine and I looked forward. At the beginning, it was a have to go to these intensive outpatient treatments. By the end, it was a I get to, yep. right? And then the middle was I want to. I have to, so I want to, to man, I, I get to do this. What a privilege. And I got that way in my professional life where I get to go to work. I have a job. I'm productive and then I'm enjoying it. So I, along with the personal side of doing that, I had an exercise routine that I stuck with and that was my outlet. I'm not a morning workout person. I don't know. You're pretty jacked up, Jason. I know you're still throwing up 350 pounds on the, on the bench press. Okay. That's not quite where I'm at. Okay. But, um, it's uh, I'm, I'm a, that was my way to decompress at the end of the day. And I got back to what I love. And then professionally, I, I worked. And I worked uh, 14 days on and 14 days off. 
And I would say, if y'all need help doing anything, I don't care what it is. And I want to make it clear, we're talking cleaning bathrooms, picking up the yard, picking up sticks off pallets that are broken. I mean, I started right at the bottom. And I, I realized that that's okay to do sometimes. Sometimes people that, that have a trouble getting over the hump, it's not dealing with it all in your life. I don't care what anybody says. I'm, I'm dealing with my alcohol, but that. I'm dealing with my drugs. I'm dealing with the, uh, you know, a sex addiction. I'm dealing with this addiction. Whatever they are, they are like spaghetti. As much as we want to say we waffleize things, they all run together and they weave together. Yeah. And if we don't have things in our life that are structured to keep us on track, it's too easy to regress. Uh, I'm a statistics guy. I love teaching uh, law. That's kind of ironic, right? That I love teaching law. Okay, uh, law and, and, and statistics. And if everybody knows anything about statistics, we regress to the mean. As individuals in life, unless we do things, we regress to the mean. Our average what we did. And I realized there was a lot of time to think. And all of these things you asked earlier, I didn't forget. Where did all this root from? And I had a brother that committed suicide on Good Friday, my senior year of high school. And he committed suicide. He was my best friend. We shared a room together. We went that morning and worked out together and went to Grandy's. Got that great big buffet, you know, that Grandy's oh, used yeah. to have that teenage oh, boys yeah. are going to eat. A lot of carbs and a lot of bacon. Uh, and uh, I took my two little brothers to Disney on Ice that night. I was actually grounded. And I had taken them to that because my parents said, if you take your little brothers, the two youngest ones, you can take your, your girlfriend. So that's a, that's a win-win. But I, I came home to a scene where, you know, my room was cordoned off and they had already started cleaning it. The police had already left. My dad was on the front porch, took the boys inside and said, take Nicole home and then come back. And I did. And that's where I got the news. And my parents didn't deal well with it. Their marriage fell apart within the year. And they've been married 17 years. Dad, a pastor, mom, a, a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> I was the oldest of five kids, had a, a perfect little life growing up, and then it all falls, it falls apart. And I went to college that fall, and I, I never really dealt with the loss of him. Mm -hmm. And that's when the use of alcohol, obviously, already going to be a college kid going to do it, th that already happened. But it really was, um, <laughs> I intensified it, if you will. And then you start experimenting with drugs. And then throughout life, there were ups and downs where I would do it more and then back off, do it more, back off. But each time it got to a little bit higher heightened level. And so through this process, I've been able, because that really, and, and the intensive outpatient treatment wasn't just about using alcohol, my coping skill of that. It was getting to the root of it and talking about it. Like those five ladies that I told you about, I, I cried more with them than I think I've cried my whole life. Just talking about these things and working through them. Because if you don't get them out, it's, <laughs> what, what good is that going to do, right? It's just going to come back again. And so being able to have structure, being able to recognize the root cause of this, because I'm going to tell you, from June 4, 2021 to now, I, I didn't have physical withdrawals. I didn't have a, a need to do it. I had a coping skill mechanism that was toxic that I was addicted to. Not the physical addiction, but the addiction of that was my, I have an addictive personality. When I got on social media, I wanted to do it a lot. When I, when I find a new hobby, I want to do it a lot. When I started running back after college, I go and run the New York City Marathon for one of my students. And I'm a big guy. I'm not a marathon runner, but hey, I'm into it. I'm going to run the longest you can run just one time, right? So those type things are what really set me up for success, sustained success. And I, I basically said, I'm, I'm not going to hold anything back. Uh, I'm going to share my story. I'm going to tell others about it. From my work at Neighbors to people in the street to whomever, I was telling somebody about it on the plane uh, a month ago uh, because I have nothing to hide. And I'm going to tell you, Dan Crawford has basically no more right 
the rest of his life to judge anybody, right? Um, after what I've done, I, I've lost the ability to do that. But the freeing feeling of having no judgment toward anyone, accepting anyone, anybody, their circumstances, their mistakes, their life choices, man, that right there is a freeing feeling. Yeah. How incredible that feels and is really life-changing for me. And I hope that answers a little bit of, of your of the questions that you, you posed. Absolutely, brother. And one of the things that just keeps coming up over and over in my mind, it's funny that before we came on today, I posted a, uh, a deal on Instagram, and I posed the question, when's the best time to plant a tree? And the answer is 20 years ago. The second best time, today. And, and the fact that, like you just alluded to earlier, that you decided that this is a new you. This is an, and it's, you know, one of my favorite Dale Carnegie quotes. There's two, I mean, all these quotes is listening to the victory in your story. Like, I look at your story as one of, um, yeah, it sucks, Dan. You, 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 you effed up bad. And I'm not going to make excuses for you. I don't make excuses for anybody. And cause, and I could make it, cause I I can say that, cause here's the deal. I don't care how healthy I am and how toxic free I am. We are all capable of some bad stuff, all right? So I don't say from a self-righteous position, but I love this, I love your story because of where you are now. And another quote that keeps coming up is in my mind is what Dale Carnegie says, that every day is a new life for a wise man. And then what Zig Ziglar always said is failure is an instance. It's not an identity. And here's the thing that you've got, and I, and it's, it's also, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to this, and one of my favorite books of all time, in fact, it inspired the book that I just had published, which you're, you're definitely going to get a copy of. I, I've got a copy waiting for you of my latest book, which is The Stone Chiseler, and it was inspired by Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And if you know anything about that story, Viktor Frankl was ripped from his, literally his office in, um, during, during uh, Nazi, the Nazi reign, uh, in Germany, he was thrown into Auschwitz and several other concentration camps. His wife and unborn child were taken. He would never see them again. And he had started to conceptualize logotherapy, which instead of this, instead of Freud's idea of just seeking pleasure, and that's all that humans were after was pleasure, he said, no, what humans are really after is a purpose. And what you have done in a, secu- in a security guard's job, and just that, just being able to work and exercise the abilities that you still have, because that's another thing that Viktor Frankl always said, the last of the human freedoms that every single one of us has that no one can take away is their attitude. And you've decided that you found purpose in being a security guard at a drilling company. And, you know, it's just the, the awesomeness to, to watch the real life version of that play out. Brother, Awesome. Well done. Now I know this doesn't this doesn't end for you. That's the thing too. When I, and, and here's the thing too that I I, I want to jump into. And let me tell you, I'm a little bit selfish in my conversation with you. When I saw you the other night at that reception, I was like, man, I'm so glad to see Dan. But I got to have him on, and it's for not just for the podcast and for this audience to hear this remarkable journey that you, that you, that you haven't been on, but that you are on. So let's be clear about that. Um, right. I have a little brother, who I basically had no relationship from the time I was 12, which made him, I think, like three or four, to now. And our relationship has started at, he's a 40-year-old man now. He has spent the majority of his life behind bars due to drug use. From the time he was 13 to now 40, he has not lived his life in everyday society. And so I'm sitting there talking to him, trying to get him to grasp the things that you have figured out. I'm like, like I've sent him Man Search for Meaning. I've sent him my book, The Stone Chisholm. I'm trying to say, and he keeps saying to me, you know, Bub, I'm not, I won't let you down. And I'm like, brother, if I can be that purpose, that's fine. But it, it isn't me that you got to worry about letting down. You've got to look inside you and find the man that you are. And you still have value. And every single day that you that you have a breath in you is another day to begin. And, and, and you know, the cool thing is, just as a pure sidebar encouragement to you, what I have found with my little brother, and this is where I think your, your real victory is going to lie at some point, Dan, and you didn't ask, but when I talk to my little brother 
we could not be more opposite, right? You know, I went to live with my dad. He's my half-brother. I went to live with my dad. I grew up on the quote-unquote right side of the tracks. He stayed on the bad side of the tracks. I went. I split time. I think I told you this one time. I, that's, I, I've had, a, had an amazing childhood. I'm so grateful for this because from week to week, from the time I was four till I was 12, I would literally go one side of town where the streets are named after my family to the other side of the town where I'm hanging out with the kids that are on the lunch program, and I loved it. And I was just as good of friends with, with kids on both sides. Cody stayed behind. And he has spent most of his life addicted to drugs. And so he, 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 he sees a guy like me who it is only by God's grace that I don't drink. I don't do any drugs. I've never been into that stuff. My outlet is health and wellness. And I don't say it self-righteous. Hey, I got lucky. That's what my passion is. Thank God. Yeah. And now at 40 or now I'm 47, but around 40, I really started diving into the neuroscience. And that's why all the things you tell me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what, I know what's happening there. And I can kind of map the, the process. But he hears from me and he's like, oh my God, you must look down on me. You must, because you're here. And I, and I want so badly to go, no brother, I'm not. I'm just like you. We are all sinners saved by grace. But you, Dan, you have a unique position in that, you got more education than I do, brother. You're more accomplished than I am, yet you've taken this road to show somebody like Cody, hey, brother, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have and how how stellar your path was before. We are all susceptible to this unless you take hold of it. And I think that ultimately, I don't know, maybe we need to get together and uh, let Texas Titan Media publish a book together. I mean, I, I think I, I want your story out there, brother. Well, it is it, – it, uh... I'm a history guy. I was a history teacher. That was my first love. I wanted to be a football coach, history teacher. You know, that Theodore Roosevelt quote, uh, man in the arena or dare yep. greatly, whatever it's yep. called. You know, I was not going to be that cold and timid soul that neither knew victory nor defeat. And the apathetic side of you wants to just say, throw your hands up and just, just give up. It's not really a win or a loss. It's just my life and woe with me. And I said, I was defeated in this moment, but it's not the end of the story. It's not over. And I can't tell you how many people, I, I will tell you, as a high school principal, I served as elementary and high school principal for 17 years. And I loved it. And, and, and I loved kids and those faculty, all that. But I will tell you, in the last year, I've had more authentic conversations, health, people work through things not because it's dan crawford but because of my scenario the situation what i've been through than i ever did ever as a principal okay in the last year more than all those other years combined um and you know i will say the one thing about it is some people will reach out to me and say hey i've got somebody and i tell everybody i will i will talk i will drive i will fly i will visit anyone that truly wants it sometimes you have a parent or a friend that says, here's their number, we're going to call you, or will you call them? And my only stipulation is, here is my number, and they've got to reach out to me. Amen. They've got to want this. Amen. They've got to have a little skin in the game. You just make that first step, the first step, I'll take the other 99 Yep. yep. to make the 100. I'll do it. But you just got to do that. And so many people are are scared to do it. When I, quick story, but I, I, on social media, I shared when I did my, I don't know if you call it a local TED Talk, the, the uh, real life stories of East Texas, right? And, and I found myself so caught up in my six-month sobriety, nine-month sobriety, 300 days, whatever. And I, I felt like I was trying so hard to find the time to do it. And I, I found peace at my heart. Like I said before, I'm a believer. And I just felt peace in my heart from my God that said, there'll be a time for you to post it. And, and you'll know when it is. So I said, okay. So several months ago in March, on a, on a Monday, I just really felt the urge all day. And finally that night I posted it. And it was a random day. I didn't really know why. And I went to bed about 1.30 in the morning that day. And I got off at 6. And why did I go to bed at 1.30? No more than 10 and no less than 10. Right at 10, people had messaged me on Facebook Messenger. 
Now, we all have friends on Facebook or social media that's like your acquaintances. Like all 10 of those people, I kind of knew who they were. Right. Met them at a reception or in the community. But I don't have their number. I didn't really talk to them or whatever. And the stories, I watched your video. My, my husband died six months ago. My kids think I'm okay. And I go in my room and I drink myself to sleep every night. I lost my job, brother. I'm, you know, addicted to a certain drug. I haven't even told my wife yet. Ten people that night, two of them I talked to on the phone, the other eight we, we messaged back and forth that were blessed by that. And as a believer, you know, the Bible says what we sow, we will re reap tenfold. And before I went to bed, I thought, oh, my gosh, what a testament to not more, not less, tenfold got that back. And those 10 people in that day, I'll never forget. There are certain times along this journey and way more than a year's sobriety or any of that, maybe just maybe some of those people and a couple I still keep up with, it made a difference in their life that could have changed their trajectory. I, I had people like Adam and Amanda that did that for me. When I went to work at Neighbors as a security guard, you know, nobody asked me, you know, in education, we want to know everything about everybody, don't we? We're real good at that. Oh, that's a new person. Where they come from? What they do? At a college? How many years experience they got? The only thing I got from them was my boss saying, tell me how I can support you and let me know if you need anything. That's all I'm going to say to you, buddy. And to this day, I haven't had one person say, dude, I looked you up and wow, <laughs> no one. Not, right. not one. And there's some great, incredible people. And over the course of the year, security guard for three months. Then they came to me and said, do you want to be a floor hand, i.e. roughneck? And I said, why not? So I'm out there slinging tongs and throwing slips on a rig floor at 46 with a 22-year-old. <laughs> and it was the hardest physical, mental thing. And I've been through fraternity hell week with one that was formed at Virginia Military Institute to, to three days back when you could do that, right, in <laughs> college football. And it was hard. And then, and then after that, I went to a yard rig up guy. I, I, I basically built and put together three different rigs before they went out. And six months ago, I got an HSC specialist job. And here shortly, um, I'll be traveling for the company doing presentations, uh, trainings, and, and audits for our rigs in 13 different states. And all of that came from hard work, just, you know, because a lot of people are like, I cannot believe you're doing that. Even people that were very supportive of me, surely we can help you find something else. And I go, I don't want you to. This is part of my process. And, and I'll tell you, Man to man, look you straight in the eye and anybody else that's listening or hears this. I wouldn't change anything. Do I often regret the hurt, the pain, the abandonment? Several people at uh, Tyler Legacy High School said, Dan, it was like a death because we've had you and you wrap up the school year and then, poof, you are gone. You're non-existent. Um, and, I, and I felt the same way myself. But I wouldn't change a thing because every point along the journey, that day that those 10 people reached out, um, the day that my first promotion in the oil and gas energy production industry to something more than a security guard, although not much more, wow, I've done something. And so you've got to segment it down into small steps. Jason, so many people, they want to make changes and it's so global. It's such a big matzo ball that they don't slice it up and cut it up and it can be overwhelming and i realized if i look at the big picture if, if last july it was about a year ago that, that uh, you know i was arrested for that if i would have looked at the big picture i never would have got there i had to it's, it's like that movie uh what about bob by the way if you haven't seen it classic, classic all right bill murray uh, yes. uh, I, I'm, I'm a i'm a sailor baby I'm a, steps. I sail. baby I, steps. I do the math right yes. Yes. right that's it. And, and it really is, you'll laugh, but I would laugh sometimes about, I would look back on the day. I, I believe every day we either get better or we fall behind. That's right. There's no middle. Nope. There's no, we stay the same. If you stay the same, you fall behind. And I would look at that every day. And even if I found something positive, I would start laughing and think about that and go, baby steps. Bill Murray made it through it, even though he was tied to the mast of the sailboat, That's saying right. he's a sailor. By God, he was on the boat. And some days I felt like, I, I was tied to it and just, I was there and riding it out. Um, but, it, but, but I wouldn't trade that experience. Um, and I don't know where I go from here, but I know 
that a higher power is going to guide me if, if I stay the path that I'm on. And whether it's your brother or anybody else, I'm telling you right now, I'll listen, I'll talk. I, I would be happy to do that. Because people ask me all the time, what are you going to do with your life? And I say, the only thing I know is I'm going to help people. Yep. And they kind of look at me like, what do you mean? I go, I'll have a job. And I really hope I'm with Neighbors Industries because that place is my family and has been since day one. And I love the place. But that's a job. That's not what I'm doing with my life. So if I can do a podcast here, a youth group there, that's what makes the difference. When I'll turn it back over to you after this, but it was in January that the Tyler Rotary Club reached out to me. It's been about six months, right? And there's a lot of people, Jason, that were like, whoa, hold on a second. Yeah, here. the, the okay. Tyler Rotary Club, gonna, that, that, that's been around since like Ben Franklin and those guys. You know, I think John right. Tyler. Hey, oh, I was the president of the Sunrise Rotary, but you know, the the the, the, the Tyler the Tyler Rotary Club, I mean, there's guys in there that are like 180. So I imagine exactly. they have right. yeah, they, they live forever. Yeah. They're omnipresent and they live forever, okay? Mm. But, you know, the, the president got me. The president then said, I, I want you to come and speak and share your story. You've done it on your, you know, in person at the thing at Tyler Junior College, you know, things of that nature. We want you to come do it. And I tell you, sure. It's been six months. And yes, I'm, and, and she said, yeah. And so there were people in, in that community and in, in South Tyler that were, oh my gosh, are you sure this is the right time? Are, are you sure this is when it should be? And it kind of got back to me, right? And I, I really, I prayed hard about it going, how do I approach this? Because now that that happened, I, I sure wasn't going to back down. I was for sure going to go in, right? Yeah. But I started off with this. And it's, I'm here to tell you my story of where I am and where I think I'm going. What's happened to me and how I've grown. And I can use your prayers, your thoughts, and your encouragement. And some of you here may think that this may be too soon. Well, when is really the right time? When, when is it not too soon, right? And I said, no one really knows that. If we put 10 people around the table and said, when is, it, when is it the right time for Dan Crawford to tell his story? We would probably all have a different time frame. I said, but you know the one thing that we will all agree on? When it's too late for somebody. Amen. When it's too late. When we see it and it happens, great. it was too late. And I said, so if I can be here today to head off it being too late for someone, I hope you will get over your thoughts of, is it the right time? Is it too soon? Yeah. And that's what I really think. And I hope listeners will think about that because there are people in their lives that you're going, they say they're changing, but really are there. I'm going to give them this time. They need to show me for a year. They need to show me. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, a day, a week, two weeks, a month, last July and August seemed like a year right here. Yep. It was an eternity before I got that job because I had nothing but time to think. So think about their shoes and where they are. So many times we we think about it through our lens, not through theirs. Because some people will say, I can't believe how you let that happen to you. I can't believe how I did it. I said, I know, and that's the difference in you and I. That's the beauty of life is that we're all different. But the one beauty of life is we all have our own story, our own decisions. We all make our own path, our own journey. And so don't look at it from your lens. Look at it from mine and try to support me through it. Well, and one of the things I want to say that you, you mentioned earlier, that for, for the listener out there, please take hold of this message. So most of our fears lie in anticipation. I think Balzac said that, right? It's like in, in the things, most of the worst things that we think are going to happen don't ever come to pass. Some of your worst freaking fears have come to pass, Dan Crawford. <laughs> I'm yeah, but, I think I hit every single right? rung on the tree. But here's the thing. To the listener out there, to those watching on YouTube, he's still here. His story's still being told. You know, Beth Moore, she once said, most people go to church in the witness protection program. They put on a happy face. Everything looks perfect. And then before you know it, you read about a divorce. You read about a kid that's gone off the deep end. I don't think it's limited to those of us that, that attend church. I think most people live their lives in the shadows, in the witness protection program. And so if, if to that listener out there, if you are someone that you're struggling with an addiction, that you're struggling with something mental, whatever the case may be, 
have the boldness to come out of the witness protection program because there's nothing that is harder at first but more freeing ultimately to be than who you really are transparent open and and willing to be authentic and and that's that's what I hear you saying, Dan. It's not like you're not celebrating, hey, I went through this and all, but you're like, I have learned from it and it's freeing that all the all the expectations that people put on us, that we let that we allow society to put on us. Perfection. Gotta have the gotta have the PhD, gotta have the country club membership, gotta have the the right car. All these all this bullshit that really doesn't mean anything. If we're just really honest with ourselves, we as humans, we don't need a hell of a lot. And I always love to go back to the book that C.S. Lewis wrote called Surprised by Joy. That's what happens. I think that's what you're discovering right now is I doubt that you would have said if you if 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 if, if someone would have come up to you and said, hey, Dr. Crawford, Dr. C, you know. How would you go grab yourself some joy? You go, well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down a bottle of vodka, do some blow, pass out, get arrested, lose my career, and baby, joy shall arrive. No. It, it always ends up that joy always arrives that if you're from the outside looking in, it looks like hard-ass work. It looks like horrible failure. It looks like all these. But then all of a sudden, if you're open to it and you're finding purpose in it and you're finding true meaning in it, then all of a sudden, before you know it, like C.S. Lewis titled that book, you will suddenly be surprised by joy. And I feel like that's where you're, you're headed, brother. And it's so awesome. And so, you know, the Jason Wright Show. This is what this this platform that that by God's grace has been created. This is what I want to use it for: is to tell these kind of stories. So I, I hope to God if there's one freaking download out there by somebody that is truly struggling, that if they can just if they can lift themselves up and go, if if Doctor C can do it, maybe I can. Maybe I can overcome my porn addiction. Maybe I can stop cheating on my wife. Maybe I can stop cheating on my husband. Maybe I can stop killing myself a slow suicide by overeating. Maybe I can, you know, because if, if I, I, haven't, I haven't lost my job, I haven't, you know, for a moment, like, my reputation suffered, suffered. Dude, I think what you have told today is such an inspiration for everyone. To not not only for those that have that are out there that, that maybe they're struggling with something, but those that are maybe like a little self righteous that are living this life of look at me. If it can happen to someone like you and like your, I mean, folks, I love Tyler, Texas. I know Doctor C loves Tyler, Texas. This is the it's not only the biggest small town in America; it's the biggest freaking fishbowl in America, right? I mean. Oh, dude, everybody's watching. And this town, again, not not generally, I'm not going to generalize this, but there's a lot of people in every community that love to see a fall. They love to see a good fall. They love to go to Willowbrook and go. They love to use oh, their prayer list. Right. as a, you know, This is my favorite thing about, uh, about Texans or East Texans, especially us good old Baptists. There's no better way to share <laughs> gossip than for prayer requests. Could you, Absolutely. hey, y'all, y'all, could you pray for Dr. Dan Crawford? You know, he had a little problem. Y'all may have read about, let's pray for him. What happened? I don't know. We'll pray about that next week. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was in the paper, so everything that was shared is oh, obviously yeah. the truth, right? You know? Yeah, of course. Um, but I, if I can add one thing, uh, are we okay on time? We good? Brother, we got, for this? Uh, are you kidding me? We're changing lives, yeah. dude. You know. You are. And you hit on something that, that I think is so powerful because I found people oftentimes running at me pointing finger. Mm-hmm. Whether it was me jogging down the road and a lady driving by, circling back and coming back by again, rolling down her window to tell me everything that I've done wrong, everybody that I let down, everybody letting me have it, to getting videoed and pictures taken in Walmart like I was wearing an orange jumpsuit and orange slippers, right? And that I was out. Everybody wants to look at it that way. But what I've tried to tell people, for for the people that are are listening to this, that you go, I really don't have, or I've overcome some issues, or I I really, I don't have something to the level that you're looking at. You can be that friend that Amanda was to me. How many people right now 
and I know that I, I'm still working on this, and I will probably till I die. If we think about it, is there somebody in your life, Jason, or anybody else's that we go, I haven't talked to them in a while. It's their turn to reach out to me. I've reached out several times. I'm just, I'm not doing any more for them. Well, maybe they need you to be their Amanda. I needed Amanda to reach out and tell me that. And there are people listening. If you, if you don't have these other issues or major addictions or you've dealt with those or whatever, but maybe you need to be that friend that someone doesn't deserve that they don't, that, that you can do, that might be maybe the changer in their life. Or maybe you can be that encourager. Adam was my encourager. Yeah, I ended up going to work where Adam works, and I don't really talk to him much other than seeing him here and there or a meeting or something. But it wasn't about the job like I thought. It was about his encouragement reminding me this isn't going to be your legacy, and one mistake does not define you. Who who listening can't say that to somebody that it will be meaningful to them? If we all did those two things, maybe not even on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a bi-week, whatever, if you made it a habit to try to reach out, find somebody, connect, I mean, you talk about earth shattering, and I've reached out to some of my friends and, and to people that I know. Every week I reach out to people that I've not talked to, communicated with, and, and it's built relationships back. And people said, man, Dan, tell me more about kind of what you've gone through, what's happened. This, and, and they've helped me. It's blessed me as much as me blessing them. Um, the hardest part I will tell you about this whole thing, and I really haven't talked about that. But the last, I talked about putting the puzzle together, structure, how I deal with it, exercise, balancing, knowing my boundaries. But what I really struggle with is, there are some people that I've known for years, Jason, years, that we were boys. She was my girl. They, we just knew each other. And since that day, won't return a phone call, won't return a text message, won't do any of that. And it wasn't until probably earlier this year, late January, February, that I finally became at peace with it. Because I wanted so bad to, most people would if I reached out to them or they reached out to me, we had a level of understanding. There was a few that I reached out to and they're like, damn, I have a brother that went through this. I have a ex-husband went through this, whatever. I, I really can't be your friend. I, I pray for you, but man, I cannot be in your life just because of the pain and hurt it causes me in my heart. I have respect for that. They're honest, they're open, they share it, but some just have left. They picked up their stuff, left the building, never to be seen or heard from again. And I really, I struggled with it because I kept trying and kept trying. And I would say there's four or five people that really, that I'm talking to my, it ripped my heart apart because they were very special to me. And I finally came to the realization, and I hate to put it this way, but it's the truth. If you've heard my story, if you've heard this, if you've seen me talk about it, if you've seen anything in my journey, and you still have a problem with Dan Crawford, you don't have to like me, be my best friend or good friend or whatever, but if you still cannot move forward from that, it's a you problem, not a me problem. And that's a freeing feeling too, because we cannot make everybody happy. We can't please everyone. We're not gonna be able to. And when you go through this, you want to try to, to make amends, to make it all right. And to be honest, Jason, it's not possible. It really is not feasibly possible as much as I tried. And I had to just lift it up and let it go. And those people I still haven't heard from. And that, that was hard to do, but, and it probably held me up a little bit in, in just some of my progressions, my uh, evolution through this, right? Because I was caught up on trying to do that when I really felt at peace at my heart that I've done just about everything that I could possibly do. I've tried to, to be a friend, to be an encourager, to show them what I've done. And it's, it's just not going to work. And I have no resentment. I've let it go. I want them to be them. And I hope they have awesome, fabulous lives. Some people, that's just how it's going to be. And that's hard for some people to take. If it's a family member or someone like that, that you're going through this recovery and you're hearing nothing back from these people and you're trying. I just want people to understand that that may happen to you and that's okay. That That doesn't define you either. That doesn't say that, what you're doing is wrong or you're not doing enough. And I felt like sometimes I'm Dan Crawford's not doing enough. I'm not enough. 
when it really was probably something else they were going with. Most people, Jason, that are running at you, pointing their finger, they're not really running at you. They're running away from something themselves. You know, that's that well said. Well said. And I want you to know that I am so glad, you know, uh, Jimlin and I had two events the night that I bumped into you over in the Azalea District. And uh, we nearly didn't make the one where I saw you. And I'm so glad that we decided to make that reception. And I want you to know that having you on was as much because you and I had not spoken since all this had gone down. We were working on the deal with Scholar Shot, and I think we still need to pick that up. I think there's still something we need to do there. Uh, But when I saw you, I wanted you to know by coming on my show, I'm not going to run from you. In fact, I want to put you up here front and center if you're willing because it's it's those that have the greatest scars that also have the greatest wisdom. And if they're willing, if they're willing to do what you're doing. And and so, Dr. C, Dan – I love you, brother, and I, I, I cannot, again, I cannot express my gratitude more wholeheartedly to you to say thank you for, for sharing and being so transparent. I've got to believe there is someone that is going to be on the other end of this show and go, huh, my heart, I, my, that did my heart good. That gave me some hope. And if that, if that, if it, and that, to me, that's what it's all about, brother. So I appreciate you contributing today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love you too, man. I, I appreciate your work and uh, that you're addressing these issues for the average everyday person that, that there are. There are good people that make really stupid ass, dumb, <laughs> idiotic decisions. And, and I, I'm the poster boy. You put a, a billboard up, I'm on it, right? And so thank you for for giving people like me the opportunity to speak and to share. And I do hope it, 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 you're right. If it's just one person that it impacts, it was all worth it. So thank you for having me on. Awesome, brother. Sit tight. I'm going to do a little sign off here and then I'll come back and say goodbye to you properly. Well, folks, there you have it. That's today's episode of the Jason Wright show with Dr. C. I do hope that you found some hope and inspiration from that. And I hope that you will, um, Share this message. If you know of someone that could could benefit from Dan's message, then by all means, please, please, please be willing to share it. And until we meet again, then uh, please continue to improve always and always. And that means taking, just like Dr. C said, that one little step. Remember, improvement compounds daily. If you can just improve by 1% every single day over the course of a year, that's 37% improvement. However, if you just sit stagnant, if you just sit and soak, you will actually regress. It only takes one percentage per day and then start to accept the compounding effect of that. So always improve, always and always. I'm Jason. He's Dr. C. And we're out. Thanks so much.